not remember who can cease to sing his praise he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days on the mount of crucifixion fountains open deep and wide through the flood gates of god's mercy flowed a vast and gracious tide grace and love like mighty rivers poured in says and from above in heaven's peace and perfect justice kissed a guilty world in love thou alone shall be accepting love the ever all my days let me seek thy kingdom only and my life to thee be praise thou alone shall be my glory nothing in the world i see thou hast cleansed and sanctified me thou thyself has set me free in thy truth thou dost direct me by thy spirit through thy word and thy grace my need is meeting as i trust in thee my lord of thy fullness thou art pouring thy great love and power on me without measure full and boundless drawing out my heart to thee for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for the ungodly for one will hardly die for a righteous man Though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace. That taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Many 
toils and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but rather with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. And the next day John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, wilt welcome pardon, Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You can be seated. This book is rated R. Unlike with movie ratings, though, this particular book is not restricted to those who are over 17 years old. On the contrary, we have Bibles for those who are just old enough to read. This book is rated R for at least one reason that movies are sometimes rated R, 
movies are sometimes rated R for violence, and we certainly do find a fair amount of violence in this book, too. But this particular book is very bloody, and it's often a reason why a movie is rated R, and that's why this book is rated R, for really bloody. Even tonight, as we mark the inauguration of the Lord's Supper, we cannot escape the fact that the blood permeates the Word of God. Even at something as seemingly pleasant as a meal, we read one account of the Last Supper in Luke, beginning with chapter, uh, in chapter 22, beginning with verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus said, to his disciples, that not only was he initiating a new covenant, but the new covenant was in his blood, and that that blood would be poured out. The old covenant was also characterized by blood. The Lord's Supper was a Passover meal. And if you remember the Passover, it was about blood too, the blood of animals on the doorposts of the Hebrews that caused the angel of death to identify the children of Israel and pass over those homes and not bring death to the firstborn males in those homes. The blood of the sacrifices saved lives. So here we begin to see the clear connection in the word of God between the shedding of blood and the giving of life. Without blood, there cannot be life in the physical body. And this is just as true in the Bible, but the application is every bit as spiritual as it is physical. Blood flows through the Bible just as it does through our veins. The blood of Christ, Jesus said, is the new covenant, the foundation of our faith. Someone has said, cut the Bible anywhere and it will bleed. Any objective look at Scripture tells us, first of all, that blood is seen throughout the Word of God, and it isn't just associated with death. And the Scriptures also tell us that without the shedding of blood, there's no life. It is easy to see this is not a minor theme. Without the blood, the gospel is dead and we are deprived of cleansing from sin. Jesus said in the passage we just read that this cup is poured out for you. It's the new covenant in my blood. We read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This was true in the Old Testament, and it's true in the New Covenant, which is so much greater than the Old that Jesus instituted with his own blood, not sacrificing animals, but sacrificing himself. Now, some of us tend to think that blood is gross or gory. Some of us faint at the very sight of blood. Most of us have never seen the blood that flows from the meat we eat before it's meat. We're protected from this because someone else does the farming and the butchering and the cutting up of animals into nuggets and burgers and steaks and pork chops. Yet we all seem to have an innate sense that blood is not only very important, but it can be, given the right set of circumstances, life-giving. 
the people of Israel were spared from God's righteous anger against sin because of the blood of animals. And then we also in our culture have the opposite reaction. Rather than recognizing the sacredness, the sanctity, the life-giving nature of blood, its life-giving properties, blood is entertainment. In some movies, the more the better. Rather than the sobriety that the shedding of blood would be expected to bring to us, the gorier the better in some movies. But in Scripture, blood is the currency of the most important heavenly transaction. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, "...knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ." like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So blood is the only currency accepted by God the Father, not silver or gold, when it comes to redeeming us, when it comes to the forgiveness and the cleansing of our sins, when it comes to paying the price for our eternal life. Blood characterized the Old Covenant too. The importance of blood sacrifice is very clear in the Old Testament almost from the beginning. One writer says that Abel's sacrifice involved blood and therefore testified to the death of a substitute. He was coming to God as God had shown he must be approached. When God killed animals in the Garden of Eden and then clothed Adam and Eve with their skins, God was showing that because sin means death, innocent victims must die in order that sinners might be pardoned. The sacrifice pointed forward to Christ. Then, of course, there's the Passover story we just referenced, the blood of lambs turning away God's wrath and appeasing his anger against sin. It satisfied his justice, and it redeemed God's chosen people from slavery in Egypt. But it was only temporary. This kind of sacrifice had to be made again and again and again, and we see it made throughout the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he was the perfect Passover lamb. John the Baptist announced his coming. We read in John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day, John, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John, John the Baptist understood. He knew you cannot understand Jesus, New Testament sacrifice for sins without an understanding of the Old Testament sacrificial system. He knew that the Old Covenant, with all of its laws, with all of its sacrifices, was instituted by God as a forerunner, a preparation, an example of the perfect sacrifice that would be embodied in Jesus, Jesus, the Word made flesh, who dwelt among us. As the Apostle Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Jesus' blood was perfect for the sacrifice because he was perfect. Unlike the lambs, the bulls, the goats that were sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins over and over again, day after day, year after year in the Old Testament. We read about this in Hebrews chapter 9. But when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore he, speaking of Jesus, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Here we see in the book of Hebrews some very clear comparisons to the Old Testament sacrifices with the temple reference, with the high priest, with the blood of goats and bulls, even sprinkling of blood. It wasn't neat. It wasn't pretty. Neither was the death of Jesus the Lamb of God. But only Jesus' blood could eternally remove the stain of sin rather than cause God to simply overlook sin for a season. We read in Hebrews 7, He, Jesus, has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. What can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why his blood is called precious, as we just read in 1 Peter. One reason it's so appropriate that in these Holy Week services we sing some older hymns is the recognition that so many of these songs have of the importance of the blood of Christ in our redemption. Listen to this short list of song titles, some of which I know you'll remember, some of which you may not even know. These are song titles. Are you washed in the blood? Nothing but the blood. There is a fountain filled with blood. The blood will never lose its power. Covered by the blood. Faith in the blood. His blood availed for me. His blood has made me whole. It is the blood that washes white. Jesus, whose blood so freely streamed. Saved by the blood, there is power in the blood, under the blood, when I see the blood, and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now you read these list of titles, all with blood somewhere in the title, and you don't have any context at all. You might think like you were looking at a list of movie titles on the Fear Network, which plays horror movies 24-7. How about this one? There is a fountain filled with blood. I mean, think about that. That might be a scene from a Stephen King horror novel. But no, as awful as the price was, ultimately the blood of Jesus is a critical, absolutely essential part of the good news for you and for me. There were 53 songs listed on Net Hymnal whose major theme was the blood of Christ. And that, of course, doesn't mention all the songs that include a reference to the blood, including three of the four that we sing here tonight. I'm not sure that's as true with as many modern hymns or worship songs. Of course, some do include references to the blood of Christ, of course, such as in Christ alone. We sing that song here. You know, the early church was often misunderstood because of this unending emphasis that they had on the blood. After all, When we read this story in John 6, think about this scene. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh 
is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now think about this. If even those who heard Jesus say this in person misunderstood, including some who were then his followers, of course there's going to be misunderstanding of those who heard this second, third, and fourth hand. We read just a few verses later in John chapter 6, beginning with verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I think we can understand that, can't we? Jesus said, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. No wonder some in the early church were accused of being cannibals. If you are in Christ tonight, you live because of the blood of the Lamb of God. We have in Jesus what we lost in our sin nature. That's life. Life. And in this case, we're not talking about physical life, though, of course, we have God to thank for that, too but we're talking about eternal life. Pastor and author Anthony Carter wrote this, the redeemed do not receive a blood transfusion from God, we receive a life transfusion. His death for our death, his life for our life. And this is the way it has always been. We can go all the way back to Leviticus and read this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Jesus' life was poured out as his blood was poured out. That's the amazing, awful reality, that metaphor that became reality, which Jesus used on this night more than 2,000 years ago when he announced that his blood was in fact and indeed the new covenant. Think about this. Did you know that Scripture tells us blood speaks? In Genesis 4.10, we read about the blood of Abel, who was murdered by Cain. That's what God says about it. The blood didn't just speak, it cried out. Genesis 4.10, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Think about this too. Jesus' blood has a voice and it speaks too. It cries out throughout eternity, but it speaks love. It speaks as our advocate on our behalf before the throne of a righteous God. We read in 1 John chapter 2, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Jesus' blood speaks. It speaks God's just wrath poured out on Jesus, the sinless substitute for us, the sacrificial lamb, the substitute for you and for me. Jesus' blood speaks forgiveness. It speaks redemption. 
It speaks victory over sin and death. It speaks eternal life. Blood speaks of life. And that's why when blood is poured out, it often means death. We need our blood to flow in our veins to have life. We needed Jesus' blood to flow so that we can have eternal life. His life for ours. In Romans chapter 5, we read this verse earlier. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, unspeakably precious is his blood because it has an overcoming power. It is written, they overcame through the blood of the lamb. How could they do otherwise? He who fights, the precious, fights with the precious blood of Jesus fights with a weapon which cannot know defeat. The blood of Jesus, sin dies at its presence. Death ceases to be death. Heaven's gates are opened. The blood of Jesus, we shall march on conquering and to conquer so long as we can trust its power. Why does the forgiveness of sin require blood? There is no greater symbol of life than blood. Blood keeps us alive. And Jesus shed his blood, he gave his life, so that we would not have to experience spiritual death, eternal separation from God. That's because Jesus is the source of life. Jesus' blood was required because we have sinned. The Lord's Supper we celebrate tonight is a reminder of that. But let's never forget, tonight, on Sunday, any time we receive communion, what it's reminding us of. Of course, it's reminding us of Jesus' sacrifice, yes. But why was this sacrifice necessary? Why was this shedding of his blood necessary? Because that's what it took to save us. That's what it took to redeem us, to give us life, to wash away our sins. The wages of my sin is death. I can die or Jesus can die in my place. It's reminding me of my sin. It's reminding me of my absolutely helpless state of existence, which sent Jesus to the cross. It's reminding me of God's inapproachable righteousness and holiness. It's reminding me of his character that required such a bloody, horrible sacrifice for my sin. It's reminding me of those many unpleasant realities, including the unpleasant reality about myself and my sin. But it's also reminding me of his forgiveness of my sin. Let's start with remembering why we needed forgiveness in the first place. We need forgiveness because without the pardon of God, bought with the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, we, you and I, are horrible, hopelessly lost sinners in need of a life-giving transfusion, His blood for our lives. This is the new covenant in my blood, said Jesus. Let's approach His table of grace with humble thanksgiving tonight, thankful for the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. We're going to have an opportunity now to come to that table and do as Jesus instructed. Remember his sacrifice. Remember his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. I'd like to ask uh, Bruce, would you go to this table over here? Dave, go to this table. I'll go to this table over here. We also have prayer teams. And if you would like to receive prayer, we're going to take our time and we're going to meditate on the truth of Scripture that we've just considered. And we're going to have an opportunity now to come to his table and receive of his mercy and receive of his grace. So over the next several minutes, as the music plays, meditate on these truths. Think about these things. And if you have a need for prayer, feel free to go to one of the prayer teams during this time as well. Go at your own pace. Go when you're ready. Seek the Lord and remember his sacrifice for us. Remember the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are a grateful people. We are grateful because you chose before the beginning of time to send your Son, the Word made flesh who dwelt among us, to live a sinless life, to become the perfect spotless Lamb, and then to shed that blood on the cross for our salvation. Father, this is such an amazing truth that we are truly humbled as well as grateful as we ponder these things tonight. We pray as we come to this table, Lord, that you would bless these elements. Father, that your presence would be very real in these elements and in our midst tonight, Father, because we know you're here in our midst tonight. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would meet us at your table of grace as we come now, in Jesus' name, amen.
peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my It is well 
Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are dismissed.